Welcome to the Sales Squared Podcast, your destination for leveling up in sales, marketing, and business development. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Join us to hear real entrepreneurs with real experiences, engaging with real experts from the world of sales, business, and entrepreneurship. And now for another Sales Squared Value Bomb. What is going on? So today's episode is all about negotiations. So I know that a lot of you guys at home, uh, you're you know you're interested in sales and business development and communication, how to get that edge um, during that process. So today we talk all about negotiation with none other than a negotiation expert, Brandon Voss. So these negotiation strategies are from the Black Swan Group, and this group. They take their strategies not from just business, not from just day-to-day life, but from the FBI, from life or death situations. So we learn all about what it takes to be a successful negotiator, how to construct negotiations in a way that's going to give you the best possible outcome, and a few really powerful tactics on how to get the edge during that negotiation process. We also talk about why you never need to accept a bad deal And by adopting a few of these strategies, then you will definitely have the edge over anyone you're in negotiation with. So, you know, negotiation, it's all about collaboration. It's all about working with uh, your counterpart. And it's all about being able to put yourself in the shoes of the other person that you're dealing with and understand things from their point of view. When you can put these things together, then great things begin to happen. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, I'm here today with Brandon Voss uh, from the Black Swan Group. Um, so the Black Swan Group is headed up by, uh, by Chris Voss, who actually wrote the book, uh, Never Split the Difference, which is a really, really great book on negotiation tactics, actually taken from uh, FBI hostage situations. So a lot of protocols that we use there and then actually translated into the business world. So uh, Brandon is an expert in negotiation types over at the Black Swan Group. Um, he heads up uh, training and operations, so really instrumental part of the of the work going on over there. Uh, so, Brandon, thanks for uh, for jumping on with me today, and uh, tell us a little bit more about the Black Swan Group and, and your role there. Uh, very good, Cameron. And by the way, thank you very much for having me. Um, well, uh, my my technical title is a director of training and and uh, and operations, and essentially what that means is I, I wear many hats, but that's pretty commonplace here at the Black Swan Group. I mean, we're we're a small shop for the most part. Um, between uh, my father and myself and, and uh, my wife, who's also our director of marketing. Mm-hmm. We handle a lot of the, the basic day-to-day stuff. And we have another instructor that also is, is currently working on his own book on leadership and the relationship to negotiation. And he teaches virtual classes with us and also does a lot of live training as well. So, you know, I wear a lot of hats, do a lot of stuff, you know, write content, um, you know, build proposals, build instruction blocks for clients, um, you know, handle tax documents, uh, you know, it's everything, everything under the sun, I got to hand it in some kind of way or another. Awesome. Yeah, really important role, it sounds like. So um, what I really love about the Black Swan Group is obviously the, um, 
you know, the, the original methodologies that are actually taken from uh, Chris's experience in the, um, you know, in, in FBI hostage situations and uh, really, really, I guess, life or death situations too. And uh, how, you know, you've helped to bring that into the business world as well and, and create basically a, a methodology for negotiating in the, um, in the business world, which is, um, you know, really, really important, but also in life too. We're all negotiating every day, right? With our, with our family, with our friends, even if it's on a small scale. So uh, I guess my first question, Brandon, would be, what is negotiation to you? Well, first of all, Cameron, I totally agree. I mean, we are negotiating all the time. And, and to quote Chris and, and the book directly, the most dangerous negotiation is the one you don't know you're in. We negotiate a lot more often than we realize in general. And as far as what, what, it, what negotiation means to me, and, I, and I'll speak to this really from a personal standpoint, but also speak to never split the difference. But every single negotiation is an opportunity to make yourself smarter. We really focus on you know, information gathering. We say that negotiation is synonymous to navigation. And every interaction is a chance to make yourself smarter. We, we, when we work with clients, a lot of times where we start is one of the hardest things for you to do is going to be to let go of your own justifications and your own data. Because especially up front, the other side doesn't care what your data and justifications are. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, when you walk out of the room, you should have a list somewhere between, between five and ten things, a bulleted list of what you learned in that negotiation that you didn't know before you came in the room. And if you can't make that list, chances are you probably should revisit that conversation. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And it's, uh, it's all about a growth mindset, right? If you can go into every situation thinking, um, you know, how can we, can we learn from this? Can we grow from this? Then uh, even if it doesn't go to plan, if it doesn't, if it's not successful in the negotiation, at least you've learned something. So, you know, you still want. Um, so no, I totally agree with that. And I think it's a great, um, yeah, great explanation of what a negotiation is and should be. So, um, I guess, you know, obviously it's, it's great to learn from negotiations, but it's also great to have a successful negotiation, right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and get the, you know, the outcome that we want to get, be it in business, be it in, you know, if you're at the car dealership and you're trying to negotiate with, uh, you know, the salesman on the price, um, wherever it is, um, what do you think makes a successful negotiator? What makes a successful negotiator? Well, someone that is fluent in the use of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And even a better way to put it, and guys, for the gentlemen that are listening, uh, you are not going to like this. But if you want a natural a uh, point of leverage in every negotiation that you're in, you should be born a woman. <laughs> and that's just, that's the reality of it. When it comes to emotional intelligence, women are naturally built to be emotionally intelligent and they start practicing it as soon as they can speak. While boys are still running around screaming at each other, playing chicken on the schoolyards, you know, mm-hmm. smacking into one another at recess, the girls are having tea parties. And they're mm-hmm. already exercising emotional intelligence at three years old. And, and, it's, and it's, it's tough, but it's reality. They're just, they're more practiced at it by the time they become professionals. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's, um, it's, it's emotional intelligence is one of those things that we can, you know, always be improving. And I think having a role in, you know, a communication style role in business, if you're, you know, in you're in sales, if you're in a client facing role, it's a really great opportunity to actually really progress very, very fast in that negotiation, but it totally makes sense. Right. As, as, as you know, as boys, we're running around, we're, we're on the playground, we're playing football or, or soccer or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, we're not actually talking with each other. And, uh, you know, it seems cool back then to, uh, to you know, not really talk about our, our feelings and whatnot. But um, when we look at it now in terms of negotiation, it, it's pretty cool to be able to, um, yeah, negotiate your way out of any, any situation. So I think, um, yeah, that, that totally makes sense to you. So in, in Never Split the Difference, uh, Brandon, it talks a lot about um, how information is really, really crucial, right? So um, when we're in a negotiation, if we can actually get all of the the information that we can from the other side from the whole situation um, then we're going to be much much better informed to actually navigate our way through that uh through that process so do you have any any tips any tactics for gathering more information from our counterparts or, or from our, our you know colleagues or whatever it is during that negotiation well if you can create and and really we say like a, a influence in negotiation starts with the creation of a series of emotional moments and that's really where you know emotional intelligence plays a big part not only being aware of your own emotions but then being aware mm -hmm. of your counterparts emotions and then being able to influence those emotions directly right mm -hmm. what are the things that you're saying that dump dopamine and serotonin into their brain that make them consider something from a different angle right you can't you can't actually control that mm -hmm. um but yeah as far as tips go right you definitely want to focus on information um, if you don't make yourself smarter, you're just not doing a good job. And also when you are genuinely, or at least create the feeling of genuine interest in someone's, whatever their, their emotional state is, whatever information they have, whatever reasons that they feel like things are unfair mm -hmm. or they feel like they should get a lower price or a higher price or you know, they have an emotional attachment to a business that they've built from the ground up and they're having trouble letting go of it. You know, whatever the case may be, when they feel that you've shown genuine interest in whatever those issues are, mm -hmm. and then secondly, you can reiterate it to them. You can say it back to them in what we call the summary format to get to a that's right out of the book, right? When you can get to that point, that's when you can really start to shift someone's mindset. And in order to reach that point where you're getting to a that's right, and you're summarizing someone so well that all they can think is, you know what, that's exactly it. That's exactly how I see it. That's exactly how I feel. When you can get them to that point, then you're moving in the right direction. But, you know, rule number one is you got to have the information to get them there first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while summary is important, you mentioned mirrors, you know, we've talked offline about how much you love mirrors and how it gets in, gets into people's mindset and their there uh, and gets into the interaction and can really be helpful for both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd probably say that's, that's in the top three. Mm -hmm. If you can start to get really good at mirrors, then you're going to get a long way and you're going to get there a lot faster than you realize. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and mirrors, as I, as I said offline, Brandon, it was one of my favorite uh, tactics, techniques from, um, from Never Split the Difference. And I think what I really love about it is that by using a mirror, you, you're really, you know, 
you're subconsciously telling yourself that you want to, you really want to learn more about what it is the other person is experiencing. And at the same time, you're displaying to them that uh, this person does want to understand me. They do, um, you know, want to learn more and they do want to understand things from my, my point of view. So I guess to dive a little bit deeper into a mirror for, for those who don't quite know what a mirror is, um, tell us what a, what a mirror is, Brandon. All right. Well, please forgive me, but I'm going to start by telling you what a, what a mirror is not mm-hmm. because it's, I feel like it's, it's pretty common um, idea in the business world and it's usually related directly to body language like when people mm-hmm. hear the term mirror then essentially that equates to becoming a mirror for your counterpart whether you're mimicking their pacing in the conversation which is you know some stuff that even you know in nlp and neurolinguistic programming they talk about that a little bit and then in body language they talk about mirroring right if there's they're sitting back in their chair you should sit back if they have their ankles crossed mm-hmm. you should cross your ankles and that is not what mirroring is. That is not the way that we talk about using it. And, um, you know, to no disrespect to the people that have, that have put that stuff into the environment, but the way that we personally feel about it here, that stuff is useless. I mean, if you're, if you're to the place where, let me mimic their tone of voice and mimic their body language and mimic everything they're doing, mm-hmm. they'll like me better. We don't put a lot of merit into that. Um, but to your point, how we use mirroring, the easiest way to look at it is repeating the last three to five words of what they said. That's the easiest kind of quick down and dirty way to look at it. Uh, Kind of advanced, nuanced version of the skill is to use no more than five, but three to five words to repeat the gist Mm -hmm. of what they said. So either, either you're taking the last three to five words, word for word, or you're taking the gist of what they said and then, and then laying it out. And of course, you know, tone of voice plays into that as well. We like to say that uh, negotiation mastery is in tonality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we move on to, you know, how important tonality actually is, I would just encourage everyone because I did this myself and had, had great fun in actually trying out some mirrors with people. And, 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 you know, even when you're in a conversation with, um, you know, your girlfriend, your, your mom, your, your, you know, your mate down, down the pub or whatever it is, um, just try it out. Try it, try it. You know, when you're in a conversation, um, just repeating those last, if someone tells you something, you know, I, you know, I, I, I watched the football game last night. You, know, you watched the football game last night and, and then see what happens because it's really, really interesting how people will just continue talking and continue talking, continue opening up about, uh, about what it is that they, uh, what they did. And um, when you think of that in a, in a sales situation, in a negotiation situation, it's really a powerful way to, to gather some more information. So, um, but yeah, a great thing to, uh, to test out and, and really see that it does work uh, pretty much immediately. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's tone of voice as well, which is another, another key topic in, uh, in Never Split the Difference, another key topic that you guys use at um, you know, the Black Swan uh, group. So tell us a little bit about, um, about, you know, tone of voice. Does it matter? Does it matter how we actually inflect our voices in, in negotiation situations? Um, what are your views on that, Brandon? Well, uh, first I'll start with, I'm sure this is a cliche that everyone has heard at some point in their life, probably when you're a little kid and you heard it from your mom or your grandma or even your teacher at school, but you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. And I can't stand that cliche. I mean, I, I, 
and I don't even really know why, but I, I absolutely like, I, I hate that phrase. And, and maybe it's because I hate to be reminded of it. But the, the reality is, it's true. I mean, it's amazing what you can say to people if you can frame it properly with your tone. And I just want to back up a little bit and go back to mirrors because I thought you made a great point in regards to when you're using mirrors, subconsciously, it makes you more interested in what they're saying. Like you're more, you're more dialed in in that moment on your own side because you've used a mirror. And I think that's a thousand percent true. And, and even more so for our listeners, that if you haven't tried mirrors yet and you're thinking about trying mirrors, I want you to know the first several times you do it, it's probably going to be the most awkward you ever feel talking to anybody. <laughs> it's just, it is going to feel weird. I can tell by a look on your face, Cameron, the first yeah. time you did it, you probably felt a little awkward. You might, you might, do you remember the first time you mirrored? How did you feel when you did it? Yeah, it feels weird. It feels like, you know, it's, you're in a natural conversation and suddenly you're trying to, you know, you're trying to add in this thing to like a little <laughs> technique and it just, it feels a bit weird. But what I was even more surprised with is that it worked first time um so yeah it will feel weird but uh, over time as you start to employ it it just becomes a kind of natural part of your your conversational style i guess yeah and interesting and, and it's kind of second part of that what have you, have you been playing with testing out different ways to say mirrors just to see what what effect it has in the conversation have you been messing with that at all in terms of the tone of voice yeah um I haven't, you know, I normally just kind of do it in my own conversational style, but I can imagine saying it in a, in a certain way or, or in a, you know, in, in a, maybe if you're in a, you know, a bit more of a calm, relaxed way compared to maybe a bit more of an inquisitive, you know, kind of um, diving in kind of that way. I can imagine it, it creates a different response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my personal favorite and, and when we teach this and we're going through it the first time with anybody, you're never going to go wrong. You're pretty much never going to go wrong if you have that upward inflection, inquisitive tone, like you just mentioned. Like if you mm -hmm. say it as if there's a question mark on the end, mm -hmm. it's going to get you a long way. And, and what people hear, and, and we talk about this a lot in negotiation as well, but you're really starting to change the face of your interactions when you can start to decipher between what you say versus what they hear. Mm -hmm. And what you need them to hear sometimes is not exactly the words that need to come out of your mouth. But again, it goes back to creating these emotional moments. And, and you mentioned that upward inflection, that inquisitive tone. Mm -hmm. And you might have just said, oh, the football game last night, right? This might have been always what you said, but you put that upward inquisitive tone on it. And what they hear in their mind is, hey, I'm really interested in what you thought of the football game or how last night went for you. You know, do you mind telling me more about it? Because I'd love to hear it. And it's amazing that you say three to five words and then all the stuff that they hear in their brain is this big package. And all you did was the football game last night. And they hear all of this additional stuff in their mind that makes them want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's um, yeah, it, it's amazing. It kind of flips off this little switch in, in, in the mind. And, and even by just saying a couple of words, it's like you're saying a whole sentence and really trying to dive a little bit, a um, little bit deeper in that. So I guess it all comes down to a lot of the, the, the substance from, from, you know, what you teach Brandon, it's a lot of it's empathy, right? So it's, it's being able to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're, you're talking with, that you're negotiating with and kind of understand things from, from their point of view. Um, so my question 
it's you know in a negotiation um you know you, you don't necessarily want the same things which means obviously there's going to be an area of conflict there's going to be an area of of conflicting interests so to be empathetic do you have to agree with you know your counterpart great question great question the short answer is no and and i'll start with you know the this comparison between empathy and sympathy you know in these these days uh, sympathy and empathy are seen as almost synonyms. And I mean, if you go to pick up just about any dictionary that's been written in the last five to 10 years, you're going to find that the definitions are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we use empathy in negotiation, as you already know, it is not sympathy. They are not the same thing. Sympathy is very much, oh, you're sad, so I'm sad too, <laughs> right? Or you're frustrated, and I, I feel your frustration. and you know, that's sympathy, feeling what they feel. And then, you know, how, how, whatever that does to you in the moment is, you know, is up to you. It's, it's fully in your control at that time. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely about feeling what they're feeling. Empathy is much more about, the way we use it in negotiation is much more about articulation. Mm-hmm. The expression of empathy has much more to do with, can you actually put the words together that accurately describe what they see. And even more so, what makes empathy so difficult is because, you know, eight or nine times out of 10, what they see is gonna be completely crazy to you. You know, their point of view isn't gonna make sense to you at all. And it's like, it's gonna, you're gonna think like, why would, they, why would they think like that anyway? That makes no sense. Like logically, I can't put it together. The mm-hmm. problem is, on their, on their side of the table, all this crazy stuff that you think of, that's logical to them. That's, you know, in logic, that's a whole, you know, we could talk for a whole nother hour about how logic plays in because there's, there's definitely a lot of personal bias that plays into logic most of the time. Um, but yeah, and, and empathy, you know, being able to see what they see and then accurately articulate it and much more further beyond I understand. Mm-hmm. You can't look at somebody and try to show empathy and say to them, I understand, because that is not an accurate articulation of what they see. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to describe it. Once you can articulate it, then you're really getting to the point where, where not only are you using empathy well, but then the other side, they feel empathy from you. They, they like, and you know what? They're trying really hard to figure out what it is I see and why I see it that way. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back, you know, this agreement thing. No, you don't have to agree. That's one of the, what's one of the beautiful things about empathy is you can use this tool that genuinely changes the mindset of your counterpart. And at no time do you agree with them. I think I'm trying to think of the psychologist um uh carl um oh i can't think of his name um but uh and, and there's another guy by the name of daniel goldman who's a, mm-hmm. a pretty famous psychologist i'm sure I'm, i don't know if you've heard of him cameron yeah the emotional intelligence guy right that's it that's, that's it and he's i mean the he's he the, what he's done his work on empathy and the way that you use it and, and, and the difference that it makes in your interactions, you know, it's, it's groundbreaking stuff, which is why, you know, it's been years ago since he did it, but we're still talking about it for good reason because he's, mm-hmm. he's done a lot of great things. And Daniel Goldman's version of cognitive empathy, he's got several different types. He's got emotional empathy and 
Um, you know, there's a couple different ways that he categorizes it, but cognitive empathy is, is what we use. You know, the way that he describes it is what we use. And what I think is really interesting is Daniel Goleman says that the people that are best at empathy are in fact sociopaths because they know they can use it to get you to do what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they can just, if they can articulate some understanding to you, then you are putty in their hands. Yep. And so while, while we do not uh, advocate using your powers for evil, <laughs> just, so, just know that, you know, that, yeah, that was one of the things about negotiation, right? And one of the things about always being cautious, because what do you do when you run into that person? But empathy is a powerful tool. It is mm-hmm. a powerful tool and, and we use it simply because it works. Yep. Yep. It's, it's funny. It's, um, you know, you see, or, you know, you see all the time, these, these things in the media, you know, two big CEOs or whatever clashing and then mm-hmm. coming together. Um, but if maybe one of them was a little bit more clued up in, in the, you know, the power of just displaying a little bit of, you know, empathy and, and, you know, trying to see things from the other, um, you know, the other person's point of view um, and display to them in a real way, you know, look, I can see what's going on. I can see your situation. Wow. That must really make you feel frustrated. That must really make you feel, um, you, know, um, you know, not satisfied with the current situation. Um, so what can we do together to, to come to a resolution here? And automatically it kind of, I guess it brings the whole, um, the whole vibe from one of, of conflict and confrontation to a little bit more collaboration. And, you know, let's work together to get an outcome that works for us both. Um, but on that same coin, um, in, your, in your view, Brandon, why should we never um, split the difference in that regard? If, if we've got a certain outcome that we want to achieve, um, why should we not, I guess, settle for the, the middle ground or settle for the, um, you know, the, the outcome that's not our desired outcome. Um, and I guess on that same coin, um, why should we never accept a bad deal? Great question. Great question. So starting with splitting the difference, um, the biggest problem with never splitting the difference means that one or both sides has compromised. And the problem with compromising is it breeds poor implementation. Compromise breeds animosity. Even if it's not so bad in the moment, that's something that grows, like, almost like an infection. And that's one of the biggest problems with compromise because when you, when you compromise, you know you've compromised. You hate the fact that you've compromised. You spend a lot of time second guessing yourself and what you could have done not to compromise. Mm-hmm. And if you got a long-term relationship, the fact that you compromise is going to come back to bite you at some point. There's going to be something else that the other side wants you to do because now you've conditioned them to know that you will compromise. Mm -hmm. So they'll ask you to compromise again. And then secondly, even if they don't right away, you know, you're going to, you're going to be performing somewhere or, or even they might fall short on a term and your mind's going to go right back to, I gave this up to make this deal happen. And you can't even be on time for a monthly meeting or whatever it is, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to equate to you being mad about something else. It's, it's a great way to start that, that level of, you know, it's never one big thing that pushes us over the top when we, when we lose our temper. Mm-hmm. It's generally a series of small things that has led up to that moment. Compromising on, on terms is a great way to start this animosity train these small little things that add up that eventually get you to blow up three months down the line Mm -hmm. 
so that's so that's one of one of the big problems with compromise. Um, the other part of thing when winning negotiation, I think those go hand in hand in a lot of ways in a lot of people's minds. And you know, first off, I I don't think there is any such thing as win-win. I don't I don't think that that actually exists. Mm-hmm. And then um, also, you know, there's a phrase in negotiation that we say anyone that offers to split the difference is probably a poor judge of distance. So if they've thrown a high anchor or they're the type of negotiator, they throw a high anchor, low anchor, you know, chances are that middle is going to be closer to what they actually want anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're just using this hard term to manipulate you in the moment. So you know, you may like, oh, yeah, we split the difference. It's okay. Well, who threw the number first? How did you end up in this place of splitting the difference, right? Is it something that, that you actually calculated because the middle was close to what you wanted? Or are you reacting to the number that they threw at you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that whole thing plays into mind. But going back to this win-win and it not actually existing, first of all, you never know if you got a win-win until you start to implement. You know, one of the things we talk about in the book is yes is nothing without how. An agreement, uh, a deal that's made is only as good as its implementation. You can agree to whatever you want up to Wazoo, but if you can't implement, nobody's going to make any money. And, you know, there's been plenty of people that are in a negotiation world that have walked out of a room thinking they had a win-win and three and six months later felt like they lost. And so they didn't really know the position that they were in when they first walked out of the room. They didn't mm-hmm. figure it out until they started implementing. So one of the reasons we say win-win is probably doesn't even exist is because when you first come to terms, you can't see that. You can't see far enough down the timeline to know if both sides won. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, again, going back to this whole idea of compromise and one of the reasons why we're bringing, you know, we've brought this, this hostage, these hostage negotiation techniques to the private sector because, Hostage negotiation is all about non-compromise. You know, it's an environment where intense negotiations have to take place mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, you're not compromising your position. So how do we translate that to business? So yep. you never want to compromise. You never want to be in a place where you're shooting for a win-win because you're probably blind to what's actually going on. And then, you know, this breeding of animosity or poor implementation because of compromise and splitting the difference. You know, you never want to leave yourself in that place. One of the great ways in negotiation to start to overcome some of this, or I, I shouldn't say start, but one of the techniques to focus on when overcoming a challenge like this is to negotiate about implementation. Mm-hmm. I think that's where, where people drop the ball most often. One of the most overlooked aspects of negotiation is what is the implementation going to look like? We get so caught up on our terms and we get to this point counterpoint interaction that it's easy to put somebody in a split the difference mode because you just, you just make a hard demand mm-hmm. and then it's like either come up or come down to where my demand is. Yep. And it's easy to get into this back and forth bargaining as opposed to having actual conversations on what it's going to take to make the deal work. It's a really, really great point. And um, I, th- I think, you know, if, if you can come to that decision, um, thinking a little bit further down the line, you know, as you said, you know, if someone's always late for meetings or if someone, um, you know, they're not abiding by the, the terms that they initially agreed to try and get that into the, into the agreement too. So I think, um, 
yeah, that, that wraps it up beautifully, actually. And, and in terms of uh, negotiation, um, there is really no win-win. You know, you, you really want to go after what it is that you want to achieve from the negotiation. And the only way to do that is going to be to, uh, to really develop the right skills and the right practices. And uh, a great way to start is Never Split the Difference, the book. And, um, and yeah, reach out to Brandon if you're watching this and, and you're looking for some kind of, um, you know, negotiation tactics or any kind of implementation of how to make this stuff really come to life in your own business. Um, but yeah, definitely a great place to start is the book. So uh, for anyone else watching, for anyone who wants to get in touch, Brandon, where can they, uh, where can they find you? Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much for having me on, Cameron. And you made a great point earlier when I brought up, you know, how do you be a good negotiator? I mentioned being born a woman. And you, you talked about how, you know, emotional intelligence is something you can improve late in life. So one thing that I, I find a lot of um, uh, I'm very enthusiastic about is they say you can improve your emotional intelligence into your late 80s. Wow. I think I got about, you know, 50 some more years left to continue to, to be good at that skills. That's, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> and as Absolutely. far as contacting us, um, you know, our website is blackswanltd, like limited.com, blackswanltd.com. Also, we have a, a weekly blog, comes out every Tuesday at 9 a.m. your local time. It's called The Edge. Uh, you can sign up for it on our website or you can also text FBI Empathy. All capital letters, all one word, FBI Empathy, to 22828. It's a text message sign up. You text that to 22828. You'll be prompted uh, to sign up for the subscription, and then you're off to the races there, and you'll be hearing from us every Tuesday. It's also, our blog is also the place where we put out um, all of our initial advertisements if we're going to do, like we're doing an event in L.A., and November and we would we start we started advertising that on the blog first. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to kind of keep up with you know what's what's coming out next for Black Swan. Awesome, awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you so much, and um, and we should do this again sometime because it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Cameron. I appreciate it, man. It was fun to be on today.